Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. On this Monday, we're broadcasting live from the EFCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. EFCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. As we begin each Monday, UL head baseball coach Matt Deggs. Are you hanging in there, coach? Oh, yeah. How you doing, Kev? Oh, pretty good. You know, I don't ever like getting beat, especially by the Rangers like last night. But, you know, it's early in the season. We'll get through it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, missing a couple of guys. We'll get them back and uh, get Tuber and Brantley back in there. It'll be a different team. Absolutely. All right. So, you know, it's always amazes me, whether it's Major League or college baseball, there, there are certain games where you feel like you need a win and sometimes you don't have your best team on the line, your best lineup, everyone's healthy, or in the Major Leagues, a lot of time they'll be giving a guy a day off on a Wednesday or a getaway day, and the team comes through with a win. And it seemed like it was that kind of win for y'all yesterday. Yeah, I was real proud of the guys and coaches and uh you know, we needed that big time, and and uh, you know, wins like that are what contribute to championship seasons. And and right now, you know, I told them for the game, it's not a not a fourteen or fifteen game uh, league. It's a it's a thirty game, and so uh, we need to bounce back right here and and uh, set ourselves up moving forward. And that's what we did. So, out of yesterday, um, I mean, you've been talking about how. McGeehee pitches and I yesterday was the first time I interviewed him and he kind of interviews like he pitches I mean he, you know yeah. it, it, he's kind of like he takes it seriously but it, but but he just kind of has a fun and, and just matter of fact way of looking at things yeah he's a cool customer isn't he and you know he doesn't get uh, I don't think anything's too big for him and, and uh, he comes from great stock you know his dad pitched in the big leagues and uh, he has an understanding of what he's doing out there. And, and one thing that Blake has going for him is he was a position player coming up. I think he was a shortstop infielder and uh, he's super athletic and just knows how to use his hand and locate his fastball. And when you can do that, man, you're always one step ahead. So do you see if he keeps pitching like this, I mean, you know, all the games are important, so I guess it doesn't really matter, but do you see him keeping him on the Sunday, or could that change moving forward? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to revamp a little bit, and I uh, hadn't decided yet. Uh, I think you could probably see that stay the same this week. Uh, you know, Jake's going to have to get healthy, Hammond, and uh, but both those guys throwing on Sunday, I'll probably leave it the same, uh, heading into James Madison and pick up a, a spot start along the way. If it's Cooper Rawls or, or, you know, a couple of other guys, we'll see. But definitely getting great outings out of Nezu and McGeehee. All right. So how much of this is, you know, you've been trying to do some – you know, six streaming, or you go starter goes six, and other, and then whether it's David or Cooper, somebody goes three. How much of that is pairing them together, or or does that 
in terms of you know figure managing your week? No, a lot of times it does, but and but other times, Kev, it's it's matchup related. Uh, right now, those are the guys that are just throwing the ball the best, and I think Fluno's in that mix as well. Uh, I think more than anything, it's just been out of out of necessity. We'll get Dylan Toit back today, more than likely, so you'll definitely see him sometime this week, and that'll be a huge boost to that staff. I know. I'll move Jake back to the, the back end of the bullpen somewhere, and, and I think he's going to do get back to doing an amazing job in one to two inning stints and really be able to cut it loose and get after it. Uh, just got to get his back a little bit healthier, and, and I think everything's going to start to shape up for us. Who, who else will be a potential starter then? I think Cooper is. I really do. And uh, – you know, I hate to take him out of that utility role, but if I can get Nezu to Friday and then Blake, uh, you know, I think we're going to have options there to, to do whatever it takes to win those first two games and then see what's available. All right, so on the offensive end, obviously DeBarge last week pinch ran, and then you tried to start him, and it didn't quite work. Is he just physically not ready yet, or where is he in that process? That recovery is a little bit different. You know, when they remove the bone, the bone's gone. And so now you're waiting on the, the incision and uh, just the the overall, it's a delicate spot, right? There's a lot of different bones in that area. And so you're just waiting on the healing of that. And it comes down to uh, just the mobility of that wrist and being able to flex it and bend it uh, without shooting pains, et cetera. And so it's day-to-day. One day you may feel better than the next, and I think it's just a matter of finding that uh, happy medium where he can be out there for an extended period of time and compete with his best stuff. And, you know, God bless him for getting out there, but maybe he's just not there yet. And then, again, he could wake up tomorrow and feel great. It's, that's kind of where we're at on that deal. Because it's one thing to for the bone to be technically healthy. It's another thing to be able to play shortstop and hit a baseball. No doubt about it, and so you gotta you gotta just wait it out and do your rehab, and and uh, when it's time, it's time. And the thing about that injury, different guys react differently, and it's just how you're built. And so I've had guys, you know, miss a season over it. I've had guys come back in seven, eight days. It's just a different type surgery. All right, uh, Max Marshog's had a strange week. I mean, he, he kind of, you know, he hit four home runs, and um, you know, he's it, it's it's you talked about how he's made an adjustment. So where is he in that process? Well, he's getting to be exciting again. I think everybody would agree with that. Uh, you know, he's pound for pound the most. He has the most exciting potential on the team. Uh, but I think the biggest thing he's done is everybody's gone from, oh, Max is up to wins Max up. And uh, that's that's a big deal because it's exciting. And if he's stretching the field like that and, and getting a bunt base hit like he did yesterday, uh, that's good stuff for us. It's definitely better than where he was. All right. So the um, yesterday you got an incredible – just, I mean, off the bench, pinch hit, home run when 
you know, you're up one nothing in a game that you really need to win because you don't want to get swept, especially at home. And you, the other team hits a homer and it's 1-1 and you pinch hit Connor Higgs and he goes uh, left-handed hitter, opposite field, a uh, home run. Just, you know, that's his third pinch hit home run. And I got a chance to talk to him after and I mean, just was real impressed with his approach and how he handled himself, and what a great moment. No doubt about it. And, uh, you know, I said it yesterday, I'll say it again, that's the biggest at bat of the year. And uh, just the way he battled and, and got to that pitch and uh, the moment and the situation and, and as far as us needing that really, really bad at that point, uh that was the biggest at bat of the year, and I've been waiting on him to do something really, really clutch like that because I know it's in there. And he did it, and I think it's going to pay off big time for him moving forward. So what about, like, could, could he get more at-bats, um, you know, from from something like that? I like where he's at. I'm bringing him along. Uh, you know, stuff when – when you do stuff like that, that doesn't mean you're going to do that every time. And, uh, you know, I think so much of him right now is confidence and uh, matchup related, and he's still learning and growing. Yeah, he's got some of the biggest potential on the team. Uh, but to answer that question, yes and no would be the answer. I mean, it's it's got to be a good fit for him and uh, because I want to bring him along and I want him to be confident and I want him to grow into the player he can be. All right, so tomorrow night, obviously, uh, scheduled to go to Baton Rouge. Uh, what would the pitcher plans look like for that? I'm going to visit with Tib here in a minute. And uh hadn't decided on anything definitive, Kev. Uh, just kind of look at them again. I've seen them play several times and, and see what's available. And it's a big week for us in the league as well. Uh, so visit with him and may have something for you this afternoon all right so the other thing that was an obstacle over the weekend is you could argue your best player is your catcher and 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 he got sick and tried to go and and just couldn't play especially a double header uh yesterday but couldn't go uh how is he and uh what do you think his availability could be tomorrow well, I, I haven't seen him yet today uh we got some tough kids. I mean, Debo playing through what he's playing through and preach, you know, doing what he does. And Julian had been throwing up all night, and he tries to go out and start. Uh, you know, I know he slept in the clubhouse all day. Uh, after that, just, you know, we had an IV in him and just trying to get him to maybe he could hit uh, late in that second game, but that just wasn't an option. Uh, I'll have to see how he feels today. Uh, I would bet you any amount that he'd probably play, but you know that stuff is that's nasty stuff, man. It hits hits people different. I remember I was down and out. We played Southeastern one time, uh, and the whole team, half our team, got food poisoning, and uh, two or three of us were we dealt with that stuff for two weeks. So I don't know. We'll see. 
you know, the, the and the good side of that is you get to see a guy like Clay Wargo come on. He doesn't ever hardly ever play, and yet I'm sure he's working hard like a lot, of, you know, like everybody is within the program. And uh, he plays a brutal position at catcher, and he gets a hit and steals a base, first of his career. Oh, hey, Wargo's a beauty now. That guy's something else. He is the best catcher I've ever seen in the bullpen. Very inviting. His teammates love him. He's a little bit off his rocker. Uh, I thought he caught the baseball extremely well yesterday. He stole strikes. Uh, very, very competitive at the dish. He had a bunt that is, if it's just over to the left of hair, uh, it's going to be a hit. He drove one to the wall in center and, uh, you know, had, had, a, had a knock up the middle. So I was so happy for him. He works as hard as anybody, loves his teammates. Uh, he's just—he's in that backup quarterback spot, and you just don't know. All righty, sir. We appreciate your time as always. Uh, good luck tomorrow night and on the weekend. All right, thanks, Kev. This is Footnotes on the game: one zero three seven Lafayette and one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on The Game. The game hotline is 706-0111-337-706-0111. If you would like to get in a on a Monday, obviously a lot happened over the weekend, the beginning of the NBA playoffs. Uh, I was doing covering a lot of baseball and softball over the weekend. I did not get to see a lot of it. I did get to see... Most of the second half of the Clippers-Suns game last night, that was a very good game. Uh, The part I saw, and man, Kawhi was outstanding, and Westbrook made some incredible plays, and um, um, so I was able to see that one. uh, Some very, I guess, for some surprising, for others not. I mean, everybody's been saying the Lakers are, you know, a shoe in to win, and it's kind of looking that way after one game, but it's just one game. Uh, the Bucks, that was not anything any of us predicted. You never know when someone's going to get hurt, so we'll see what uh, Giannis comes back. Of course, the Heat lost someone too. Um, I, uh, you know, one of their better perimeter players in Heroes, so we'll see how. That I kind of still think the Bucks are going to win, but I don't know too many people that think that the Grizzlies are going to win now because uh, they have their own injury issue. So we'll certainly any thoughts you have on the in, the opening weekend of the NBA playoffs, uh, certainly feel free for that. It was. Um, the Rays, as expected, since we last spoke, didn't you know? This is baseball. You're not going to win every game. Plus, people who don't really know anything about the Rays or ever follow them at all or ignore them because they're the Rays and, you know, they're not the Yankees or the Red Sox or whomever, 
Uh, the Jays have always, the, the you know, not a good, the Rays um, kind of always struggle with the Jays. Uh, so it, it's not, that, you know, that was not the team that they wanted to be facing, but they did, they lose, lost on Friday or Saturday and, and, and crushed their face yesterday um, with, the, of course, with their ace pitcher, McClanahan, pitching and, and um, they won eight to one yesterday, but the Jays are kind of uh, always been a bugaboo for the Rays and the Astros now play the Jays. And uh, last year, the Astros played the Jays six times. It seemed like it was all in the first half of the season and lost a bunch of one run games, just frustrating games. Um, the guy Espinal, they couldn't get out. I mean, that, that that's the thing that you know, losing is, you know, especially in baseball, it's just part of it. But the thing that really drives me crazy is when you let one guy beat you time and time again. So as bad as last night was, you know, you, you got, it's nothing, nothing. It's the bottom of the sixth. And the Astros should have been up. But they overslide the bag. You know, he, he beats the rap. Uh, Dubon does. He gets to the base first, but then he's, his foot slides off the bag and they throw him out. So they should have had runners at second and third and one out in a nothing-nothing game. You take the lead, it changes a little bit. And the minute that didn't happen and they didn't score, I looked at Michelle. I said the the Rangers are scoring in this inning. I, you could just you could just tell. I did not have a good feeling. So the first guy gets on. The second guy hits a ground ball to short. And look, I know right now, other than Jake Myers, public enemy number one for for a lot of the really Astro, Astro fans who are angry and upset right now, is is a brave. And I mean. I don't ever remember Abreu being that bad. I mean, he looks scared of the baseball. I mean, first of all, Pena's got to not throw the ball in the dirt on a fairly routine play, first of all. But second of all, you you got to – you can't look scared of the baseball. I mean, that was that was bad. Uh, so they make an error, and it looked like they were going to get out of it. You know, they hit a bunch of ground balls and just found holes. It, it, it's not that anybody other than that error did anything wrong. And um, and Marcus Simeon hits a grand slam, and, and they score like eight earned run. I mean, you got to play defense. So, again, I'm not worried about it in the moment. But down the road, you got to be able to – you got to – that wasn't even a short hop. you got to be able to make that play. You can't panic when the ball bounces in front of you. As of now, that shouldn't be that difficult of a play. Just catch it. That was that was bad, um, and so he's got to work on that. And I gotta believe, like Pena does that all the time. So I gotta believe they worked on that in spring training. I don't even think Pena and Abreu played in the World Baseball Class. I, I don't know. That was alarming looking. Uh, bad, bad, bad. Um, Ronel Blanco is a guy at high hopes for. Still do. He uh, he's he he was incredible. He had an incredible year last year, and winter ball, and he's kind of been getting roughed up lately. So that's not good to see. But hopefully he hangs in there because I still think he could be uh, a help to the bullpen down the road. 
Uh, he's, you know, he, he didn't seem to get his confidence down. Uh, I liked his reaction to after he got lit when he got the last out. So hopefully um, he remains confident because I think he's got good stuff. It can really help the bullpen down the road. But no, look, the Astros are not off to a good start. And their schedule's fixing to get difficult. They got to play. They start a series with the Jays. Then they got to go Atlanta over the weekend. And the Braves are obviously one of the best teams in the league. So uh, the one thing the Astros have done is what I asked. Avoid sweeps. They won Saturday. Got a little bit of a gift, but that's okay. They won Saturday. You you take your gifts uh, and you move on. And... They've avoided the sweep. If they can continue to avoid the sweep this week, then, you know, it'll be good. But, you know, that that's two scary teams that they're going to play in the Jays and the Braves. So, um, you know, it's like a Bobby Cox week, the Jays and the Braves. Um, the one thing, though, that was really nice over the weekend is seeing Hunter Brown. Man, he just looks so good, and I think he's really talented. You got to love his mental makeup. You know, they didn't play good defense in that game either. Like, you know, that that has been one of the staples. The, the most underrated part of the Astros' impressive six-year run is how good they are defensively. Like, no – People don't talk about that a lot, but you got to better play defense. I mean, they, and so that 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 needs to pick up. So they were bad defensively on Saturday. Uh, they, they were actually very good on defense on Thursday. No, uh, Wednesday's game, the getaway day game. But they had some bad performances over the weekend. They got to get better defensively, no question. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. On and foot. Good morning, sir. Enjoying that hammock season so far? Well, you know, it, it, it's nice. I'm enjoying because normally I'd be all angry. Uh, but, yeah, no, it being a hammock season makes it a lot easier to deal with each loss, no question. Well, remember that come, uh, like, September and August, okay? <laughs> well, hopefully we can learn how to catch uh, balls that bounce to us by August. Right, right. I want to wanna speak on something. something. I think that happened over the weekend in baseball, and it's pertaining to the to the New York Yankees, and I'm, I'm pertaining this to that Yankees fan that calls in all the time trying to accuse other teams of cheating when they tried to cheat this past weekend when, uh, and I know you've seen it, when that pitcher, I forgot his name, he had some illegal substance on his hand, so the umpire checks him, tells him to wash it off, doesn't wash it off, they let him back in the game, Still pitching, still does. They catch him with it on his hand again. Still doesn't let, uh, eject him from the game. So instead, the manager, which I think is Rocco Baudelli or something like that, uh, he ends up getting tossed because the right thing wasn't done. So if that Yankees fan is listening, which I know he is, you Yankees do cheat and nothing's done about it. And, uh, they're still second best to the Astros. I want you to kind of talk on that little subject right there because I know you had seen it. Uh, all right. Uh, thanks for the call. Uh, yes, sir. I, thanks. 
I, I, I heard about that, but I really didn't see it. Do you know any of the details of that? Did you catch that, Dawson? I, I, I heard about the incident. I know Rocco Baldelli was thrown out, but I didn't know much about that. I didn't see the highlights. I didn't. Or... I mean, I, I saw a little bit of it. I didn't. I didn't do a deep dive on it to know the details of it. But it, I mean, it was strange, regardless. And it, it, you know, obviously we're missing something because what what was said doesn't really make a whole lot of sense about if they saw what they saw and, and allowed them to come back in the game. So yeah. I'd imagine there's some explanation, but I haven't seen it yet. No, no, I, I, I didn't, I didn't see it either. But again, the whole idea about, I mean, I, I don't even know how to. I mean, it's kind of like I'm just trying to get, you know, the idea that so and so is cheating in baseball is like, I, I, I mean, of course they are. <laughs> again. It it sounds bad if you don't understand the game, but trying to get an edge in baseball is um it's just it's been part of the sport forever. But the again, the thing that just people don't understand because they look at everything like football is because you cheat does not necessarily mean you gain an advantage. It's just not the same as it is in the other sports. It, people yeah. just don't get that. And I'm, I know it's not maybe the greatest comparison to draw because I don't know how much of our audience is in tune with NASCAR, but it's like the same idea. Like NASCAR, they, I mean, it's intuitive engineering is like the joking term that people call it. Like that's constantly why the rule book changes every week because like teams bend the rules to, to get speed advantages because everybody's so close in speed in NASCAR. So then they make new rules. So like, yeah, they were cheating, but they weren't necessarily cheating. They were just testing the guidelines and that's forcing the governing body of the sport to be stricter, which is what happened with this Apple Watch sign stealing everything. They pushed the boundaries, and then they made baseball come back and say, "Okay, we have to change the rules on that because it's too far." And that's that's going to happen forever with baseball. It's just how the game is. Absolutely. So you are a NASCAR guy. I didn't know that. Yeah, I am. I am. Man, Guru's a big NASCAR guy too. I just, I mean, again, I don't. I have zero mechanical skills. So I. I can't even begin to understand NASCAR. I mean, zero mechanical skills. So I, it's way above my head. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm not as in tune with some of the technical aspects of it as I maybe should be. I've just uh, enjoyed it for a long time. Kind of faded away from it, but got back into it during COVID when it came back first. It was the only sport back on. Uh, and then got back into it. Did a podcast on it for a brief time, and um, yeah, I've been enjoying it. It's just, uh, but it's it's another Man. sport too. If you don't have like a if you don't have a next level understanding of it or like a really paying attention, yeah. I can understand why such it's such a turnoff for casual viewers of it. Well, again, I I, I get I, I don't I'm not going to say I don't get why people like it, because if you're into that, I can see how people like. But again, I I just have zero interest in it and I have zero mechanical skills. So I just it's just something I can't relate to at all. Um just don't. But I, I, I get why people who love it are, 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 are really passionate about it. So, again, it was a very interesting opening weekend in the NBA. Some, to Martin's point, some very interesting things happened in Major League Baseball. And then the college in baseball and softball, uh, I was wrong. Uh, Kentucky turned out to be, you know, Chad was saying how good they were and – you know, I had not seen them play. I was just looking at their statistics and their schedule, and it just seemed like the kind of game LSU was going to get a sweep, and it did not happen. LSU was actually very fortunate to get two out of three 
uh, with a with a comeback in Game Three on Saturday. So I um, but it seems like the toughest part of an SEC schedule is most of that is behind them. So we'll see. But no, there there was um, it's nice to be able to hit, and that's the thing that. It can make up for a lot of sins on defense, which they had some sloppiness defensively over the weekend, and uh, pitching being iffy. And that's the thing right now that the Cajuns are lacking on both teams. The, the, the offense is still, you know, uh, injuries have a lot to do that. We were talking about that with Coach Deggs. Um, just trying to get a stable lineup uh, has something to do with that. And uh, they're going to need to pick it up offensively, both baseball and softball. We'll see how that plays out uh, this weekend. We'll take a timeout and be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Footnotes. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. The game hotline, 337-706-0111, 337-706-0111. I talk a lot about being result-oriented, and I we all are result-oriented to some extent. I try my best, and I don't always succeed, uh, I try my best not to be result oriented. And he, he, this weekend's example at Lamson Park with Cajun softball is an example of what I'm talking about. Uh, in the first game, they the Cajuns scored five runs, two of them on a two out base hit up the middle off the second baseman's glove which was probably a few inches or a really good defensive play from being a force out at second. They scored two runs. Three, The other three scored on a pop fly, not hit very hard, down the left field line that the left fielder played into a three-run triple. So they were two good breaks. And look, breaks are part of the game. I get it. But... They were two good breaks away from scoring zero runs in that game. Now, I would argue that Alexis at bat was better than um, Lawrence at bat right there. But they scored, the, the Cajuns got the break on both plays, both with two outs. They scored the five runs, so everything looks good, but man. I, and then in game two, they don't, they're not hitting at all. And in the bottom of the sixth, they're they're down, and Sophie Piscos comes off the bench and hits a 3-0 pitch straight up in the air that looked like it was going to be an out to end the inning, but it 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 kind of gets into the net and the first base was not able to catch it, and then the next pitch is a home run to win the game to give you the lead. I mean, 
very, I mean, very easily. Doesn't take any imagination at all that the 3-0 pitch popped up, could have been caught by the first baseman, and you get nothing and you lose the game. So very possibly you could have like one to zero runs scored. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, it doesn't count, but on the flip side, if they had the bases loaded and somebody hit a line drive in the gap better than any of the balls hit other than Sophie's homer, obviously, that I was just talking, and the center fielder makes this diving catch and saves two or three runs, then and they lost the game two to one, then everybody would be talking about how they can't hit. Again, it's just why that's the dangerous. And even yesterday, they scored seven runs. I don't know, but they earned maybe one of them. Like, the other team just made a bunch of errors and walked a bunch of people. Texas State was a disaster show defensively yesterday. So, it was it was a, it was three wins, and you take the wins and run. But what I'm saying is it, it was not a positive weekend at the plate. They have got to... They've got to figure some things out offensively, and we'll get into more of that as the week goes on. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Kevin. Yes, sir. Good morning. Good morning. Been a while. Yes, sir. Sorry to switch gears off of the lady Kate softball. That's okay. But uh, I'm a big uh, NASCAR guy, too, so <laughs> you're producing. I got something in common. All right. Yeah. So how's uh, I see you got your quarterback. I mean, it's been a while I hadn't talked to you. Yeah, got a quarterback. Now they're trying to get, you know, I still think they probably need to get another wide receiver at some point. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. Still would like to get another running back. But, no, it's um, it's nice to have the quarterback position taken care of. Yeah. No question. Man, Saints are always in a, a win-now mode, you know. I like it. Some people don't, but I I like trying to win. Yeah. (laughs) It's better than than tanking and trying to rebuild, that's for sure. I agree. But, uh... So so who's your favorite... uh, coming up, huh? Who's your favorite NASCAR guy? Well, I like a a lot of uh, different drivers. I like Chase Elliott. He had been out for a while. I had a little... few coins bet on... Denny Hamlin yesterday, and he was leading the race with like 60 laps to go. And I go sit outside where they were bragging on him how fast his car was than everybody else's and all this. And then I go sit outside for, I don't know, 10 minutes. I'm sorry I'm out of breath, but I'm exercising. That's okay. Uh, I need to be exercised. He's in ninth place. I don't know what happened. And I don't have... Uh, direct TV more with the DVR, so I couldn't rewind it. So I don't know, but he came out of he didn't. Yeah, he, he lost some well. track position. It was kind of a it was a tough end of the race for him. But he he wasn't a big fan of the uh, the package that they've been running at the short tracks with not a lot of ability to pass. So he kind of got caught back there, and at that point, he wasn't able to get back up to, at, back up front. But it Kyle Larson had a nice it, run. It was a caution that came out, and then that's how he lost his place in first or. Uh, yeah, I think so. I actually don't remember exactly, okay. but I remember once he lost track position yeah. and he was kind of set afterwards. He just, you know, the, the package the way it is, you're just not able to really work your way back. Yeah, and and then once that that Kyle uh, Kyle uh, Larson got in first, well, that short track, you know, nobody was going to get by him. Right. <laughs> That's a guy that won a lot of races. I think it was two years ago, 
Yep, ended he up winning the championship, won. too, and, and just hasn't quite been the same, but he looks like he's on his way back up. Two wins already this year. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, that's cool. But, uh... All righty, sir. Oh, the, the, the guy had some sticky substance. The Yankee pitcher, it was a sticky substance he had on his hand. And the umpire told him to remove it, and I don't think he did. So that one thing led to another. Oh, but yeah. You're right, Kevin. Uh, you know. That's, uh, again, that, all, that, that's all part. Trying to get an advantage trying. is all part of the deal. I, absolutely. Yes, sir. Well, it's good hearing from you. Yeah, I'll talk to you later, Kevin. Take care. You know, the, the again, I'm a team guy, and so I, besides the fact that I have zero mechanical skills, I struggle with the whole, is it a team sport or is it not a team sport? Like like the Tour de France and, and a heart, um, NASCAR is the same thing. The whole idea about the riders get all the credit, but you kind of know it's not really them, although some of it is them. I don't know. I struggle with all that. So I, it's it, it it'd be hard for well, you know me. I'm not a, I'm an old dog that you know the new tricks are just not going to happen when it comes to sports. I mean, it's just not. But um, but but I I I, I don't know. I struggle with the. Uh, you give all the credit to this guy, but it's not really them that's winning it. Like it's a team thing. I, I don't I don't like that aspect of it. But. As they say, to each his own. All right, we'll take a timeout and be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station than going to the dentist. Take that, dental hygiene. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. If you would like to get in, uh, we kind of just scratched the surface on things from over the weekend. We talked a little major league baseball, college baseball and softball, just barely scratched the surface on that other than interviewing coach Deggs, obviously, uh, in the first segment and the, we talked NBA playoffs and, um, it was an interesting weekend. No, seriously, if you did not see the. You know, this is a, an era right now where so much of the game is about three-point shooting. And, you know, I made the comment to someone yesterday who was talking about, like, man, if you don't if you don't like three-point shooting, there's almost really no use to even watch basketball today. I get that. But if, if you did not see the fourth quarter of the Suns-Clippers game, it really was like I would think someone would just to illustrate and use for motivation that coaches should get the tape of that to show you how a player who didn't really hardly make any shots, he was 3 of 19 from the field, can can almost be an MVP without making hardly any shots. Like, he kept, he either got rebounds or he kept balls alive for other people to get rebounds, plus played defense, 
and created, um, you know, obviously he gets a bad, you know, he gets a lot of criticism. And when you can't shoot the ball in the game of basketball, can lead to some criticism, and most of that is justified. But he did make some big free throws down the stretch, and he just created things. They just, you know, they just out-hustled him, or or he out-hustled him. And then, obviously, Kawhi was being the best that Kawhi, which at times you get, and, you know, he's missed a lot of games as well. So, no, that was um, – I don't really have anything against the Phoenix Suns other than everyone has proclaimed them the favorite in the West because of the Durant deal. And I, you know, I just kind of, my natural reaction is to pull against that. And so that, that national narrative does not happen. And so I would not, I I'd get a nice little chuckle if they won. I didn't, I didn't see any of the nuggets game last. I mean, I went to bed after this. I mean, the game when the game start like nine forty our time. I'm like I f- I was tired already. Watched the Astros debacle and then and then right after that saw the end of the Clippers Suns game and then they go coming up next. I'm like and I knew it, but it's like you got to be kidding me. We're starting a game at like nine forty. We're starting the game. And I saw a lot of people complaining, too, about, like, Denver fans or, or people involved with that saying, like, it's an 840. It's not like they're a West Coast team where you go, okay, well, it's 940, but, you know, it's 7 this, 7 o'clock start on, on, the, on the West Coast. Like, Denver's, you know, they're in Colorado. It's not like they're on the West Coast. But I don't know why brutal. the why would the West Coast games not have been – you had an opportunity for it to be, and again, I guess it's because they want the primetime slot with the better matchup in Phoenix, but like, why would you not have had Phoenix as the late game? An well, actual why did you West start Coast at team? noon? Why, why did they start at like 2 o'clock? Well, I don't know. I, I do know that the Sunday afternoon time slot is the most valuable time slot in you know network television. I've always heard that, especially NASCAR chooses to do the same thing, and they get some of their races rained out, and I've actually... Okay, well, why, why not play at noon then? Well, like, they, like the that afternoon, so like at a, like the one, the one, to, yeah, that and the two thirty start time on Sunday is the most valuable. Now you could add your first game, yeah, start at noon right. And then have play your, the play whatever you was yeah, your most know. high profile team at two thirty, and the other one at noon. So you're not playing at starting at almost ten o'clock. And the and the rest of those games in that Denver series are mostly going to be around the same time, and it's just it just doesn't. And then again, they push another thing that I just don't understand. It's the, I know it's the playoffs. You want to have every minute on the. But your Turner, you have a ton of other channels. Just start the game on a different channel. We don't have to push the game back because this game went over five minutes. It's not like other networks don't do that. I mean, yeah, it's that's the not first un- quarter. Like, it's, you know, okay, we're going to miss the first eight minutes and then we'll join it in progress. We'll be okay. But they don't do that. They push everything back and then they just keep pushing it back and back. Yeah, and that, was, that was bad. Yep. So what happens if a game goes double overtime? I don't know. I wonder if there's some point where they would just start it and it's and, and just say that's the cutoff. But I mean, it's not fair to the other team. I mean, so far all I've seen is them keep pushing games back. Yeah, that was weird. But it sounds like the Nuggets just crushed them. Right? Yeah, I mean, I watched the first quarter and a half or so. I mean, Jokic was doing Jokic things, and I mean, it feels like a bad matchup for Minnesota, and and that also feels like a team that kind of probably reached their peak, uh, getting through the play-in tournament and and getting to this point. I think Denver wins that in four or five games. Now, I've seen teams who were stretched to get to a point and then they get killed in the first game because they're just not really ready and they kind of regroup and and play well in game two. 
so I would think they'd play a little better, but uh, yeah, I'm, I don't really think they're they're gonna win. Man, that would be and look, I've always kind of liked the Milwaukee Bucks, but that would be something if they didn't. I mean, no one thought that any no one has any idea. I don't think that the one, two, or three seeds are not getting through the first round in the East. Everyone thought that in the West, like we've been talking about. So that would be. Yeah, that would be some shocking stuff if that happened. Well, and the one thing I said was I said it wasn't necessarily a you know a huge deal, but I said that the team that had to face Miami in the first round would probably feel a little worse about themselves than the team that got to face the rest of the bottom of the East, and so that kind of showed itself in Game One. Now, look, if Giannis is out for this series or out for any significant amount of time, then you're really concerned, and and then if they found a way to win this series, you're not sure how much farther they'd go anyway. Obviously, I think he'll play through it. But is he going to be effective enough, and can the guys around him step up to the point where they're able to beat a team like Miami or, again, moving forward, some of the really good teams in the East? They, they're going to have to get him back. Now, it sounds back contusion. It doesn't sound like he's going yeah. to be out. But, again, you never really know the severity of it, and, and I'm sure he's going to be dealing with some pain because otherwise he'd have been back in the game yesterday. Right. Hmm. Definitely adds a little drama. That's our number one. Another hour to follow. Stay tuned. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Broadcasting live from the EFCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. EFCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction Simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber to Game Hotline 337 706-0111. 706-0111. If you would like to get in, we talked quite a bit NBA in the first hour opening weekend of the playoffs. We've got uh, Astros opening up a three-game series with the Blue Jays. We'll see if they can continue to, even though they're not looking good and not playing well, at least avoid the sweep. We haven't talked to any NFL, but we are now now just 10 days away from the NFL draft. And I keep getting, you know, when you hear report after report after report, and again, we call, I, I hesitate to call them reports because I don't know if they're really reports. It's just a guessing game. But so many people now are saying that even though it goes against everything we were hearing early on that the Arnolds are going to take um, C.J. Stroud, almost everything you hear, you still see a few mocks that have them taking Stroud, but it just that they're going to go Bryce Young is what the vast majority of the people are now saying. And guys like Adam Schefter are, are, are stating it as a fact. So that makes you wonder whether off the record, behind the scenes, they're telling them that's who we're taking. Um, I saw Mel Kuyper last week saying, well, you know, sometimes you just have to listen or something like that. And he was basically saying that his logic or his mind tells him that it's not going to be Bryce Young, but because guys like Schefter and a few others are reporting it so adamantly, it makes me think that 
you know, he's they've told them, look, that's who that's who they're taking. So even he is starting to kind of say, well, that that's who they're taking. So um, I don't know, you know, how many people actually do mock drafts. I try to do one just to see how many you get right. And then all it takes is one trade and getting it right. I guess it can be relative once you make a trade. But, you know, it's if if you don't get like the first two or three right, then you're in trouble after that. Like, you know, if you get the first three right, you might end up getting seven, eight, nine of them right. But if you miss the first three, ooh, it's, you might not get hardly any right the whole drive. So, um, and all it's going to take is a is a uh, is a trade. So that process is ongoing. Who do you believe and what you believe? And obviously, we'll be talking about that a lot more over the next nine or ten days. Uh, college baseball, again, the Cajuns lost two out of three at home. LSU won two out of three at home. The only thing really for a while now wasn't so much before because LSU didn't play a real tough schedule before, but once SEC played and they were playing, you know, a really tough, uh, they had a really tough schedule SEC-wise, schedule-wise. Once that started, the only real question is the bullpen. Uh, in game two, the game that Kentucky won 13-10, to the bullpen threw four and a third innings, gave up eight hits, eight run. Now, only four of them were earned, two walks and two strikeouts. Certainly not good numbers unless you just say, well, if you gave up four runs in four and a third, you wouldn't feel quite as bad, but um, two walks and two strikeouts. In the 7-6 come from behind win on Saturday, the bullpen pitched five and two-third innings, gave up seven hits, five runs. They were all earned. Five walks and eight strikeouts. So it was, um, that's really the only question because while in previous years they've had some defensive issues, they had some defensive issues in the game over the weekend, but for the most part this year, it had, you haven't, hadn't been a lot of belly aching and, and issues with the defense. So I think overall you f- still feel good about that. But the bullpen become, you know, is really the only question. And I think that's why I heard the uh, on RP3 and company the, the their question of the day was revolved around whether the pitching was going to cost them um, long term. Again, we're a long way from long term, but we are in the second half of the season. <clears throat> so I think it's okay – as a fan to start, you know, okay, how is this going to look down the road? Which, um, uh-oh, I'm getting um, a text here. It says, Jalen Hurts just became the highest paid player in NFL history. Five years, $255 million. Yep, Ian Rappaport just tweeted that out to confirm. And includes $179 million guaranteed money and a no-trade clause. Do you remember when they took him? 
in the second round, the everyone was like, what in the world are the Eagles doing? Well, not only that, do you remember when he played a little bit and everybody was like, when, are Philly, when is Philly going to acquire a new quarterback? And it was like, you know, Philly was like, well, slow down, we think. But I don't know if Philly was like, Garrett was certain about that, but they took a gamble and he played great, obviously, led him to the Super Bowl. I would say it's a little early to be making him the highest paid player in NFL history because he had one really, really good year. And we've seen defenses sometimes adjust when guys come in that play with a different skill set. I'm not saying this is a bad deal. Like, I'm not going to throw that down on the table. But, like, when Mahomes was given his monster contract, we had seen it for a few years, right? We've seen one great year for Jalen Hurts. So I'm a little surprised that they did that deal at that time. But, again, quarterbacks in the NFL, that's what they that's what they demand. The market resets every time one's signed. And I'm sure Lamar Jackson doesn't mind hearing this news this morning. So what is that a year? I'm not good in math. Well, the other thing that's weird about these deals is that it always depends on, you know, some of the guarantees and all that, but it would be around 51 million a year if it's just if you if you're just averaging it. All right. Going back even further, do you remember when he basically they decided Alabama he wasn't their future? There was talk that he was going to transfer to Texas State. Maybe I remember the, those maybe rumors. the trajectory of that program would yeah. be in a different place if that yeah. would happen. I remember those rumors. Jalen Hurts was going to go from Alabama to Texas State. Well, he didn't end up doing that. But I remember hearing that room like, Texas State. But um, um, I remember hearing those rumors, and, and look where he is now. Wow. Yeah, and, and I, look, I'm really interested in Philly. I already was, but I'm really interested in Philly because – they lost a lot. Like, I don't know if that's like a plug it down, write it down, they're right back where they were. And now they're going to kind of handicap themselves a little bit as far as the, or handcuff themselves, I should say, as far as what they're going to be able to do, you know, with contracts moving forward. So I don't know. We're going to find out how good of a coach Nick Sirianni really is over the next few years, I think, and how good some of the moves that they make in that front office are going to be because. I mean, you just you better be really sure that this was, and I'm not saying it was a fluke. I don't think it was a fluke that Jalen Hurts played as well as he did, but I'm not sure that there won't be some adjustments made on how to defend him that make it more difficult for them moving forward. And I don't think the roster is going to be nearly as good as it was overall. So I don't know. I, I just think it's. I think this is a bold move to be making to be. And and again, I don't know the details of how much is going to be against the hard cap. And yeah, everything like but that. no matter how you slice it, this yeah, is a this mega is a, mega deal. This is a huge deal, yeah. and 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 that's a little surprising to me that they, that they did that. All right, and so <clears throat> fast forwarding a week and a half, like to me, the Eagles are one of the more difficult teams to figure out where they're going to go in the first round of the draft. They have the Saints' number ten pick. Is it ten or eleven? Right around there, ten or eleven. 10, I think. So, do you, after doing, especially after doing what they just did with this Jalen Hurts thing, they don't have Sanders anymore. So, do you pick Bajon Robinson to give you an elite running back to help out Jalen Hurts? Do you pick, There's no, there aren't very many, Defensive, I mean, offensive lineman left. You have the guy from Northwestern. 
You have the guy from Ohio State, although a lot of people think the Bears are picking him right before them at nine. Or the bread and butter of the Eagles when they're good is their defensive line is great. And they lost a defensive lineman or two. They might have even lost two. So do they pick a defensive edge rusher kind of guy or a defensive end kind of guy like a Van Ness or someone? So, or they also lost a safety. Do they trade down and pick a safety or just pick a safety there? So they have safety uh, potential needs, defensive end potential needs. They always need a linebacker, but they never pick one. Um, Or running back or offensive lineman. So I don't really know where they're going to go. Or do you just pick more wide receiver talent for them? So the fact that they've now invested that much in Jalen Hurts uh, makes, to me, trying to predict what they're going to do in the first round even more interesting. Yeah, if I had to rule one of those out, I'd say wide receiver could get ruled out with the rest of the construction of that roster and the idea that this wide receiver class isn't quite as sparkling as some of the ones in the past. I no, think. I agree with you. No, I don't think they'll pick a receiver. Yeah, I, but um, no, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, because if I was them, I'd seriously consider picking Bajon Robinson. It's on the table. You know, and, and, and Miles Sanders is interesting because it's it's a guy that they feel like they've, ne- you know, they, he's been there for however many years and you never feel like you've gotten his full potential out of him. Um, I think Bijan Robinson makes a lot of sense for them. They have to, obviously, they have to go into win now mode for the next five years. I mean, that's that's what you do when you pay a quarterback that money. You don't have any time to, which I'm not suggesting that they were rebuilding or retooling anyway, but um, you bet. And when you're paying a quarterback that kind of money, you better be good elsewhere, and, and it's much tougher. It just lowers your margin for error. That's what we've talked about. Like, when it's Mahomes and you know what you're getting, it makes sense to lock him up and pay him the money he costs because you know, but I'm just, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see where they go. All right. So we have someone on the line who I'm ready to rebuke because I, 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 I where has he been? You know, he, he promised me he was going to keep my mind up on the draft he hasn't been updating us on LSU baseball he hasn't been helping me with the draft and so it is time for a break so hopefully he hangs on so I can properly rebuke him on the other side of this timeout so he can have his full time to explain himself and help my mind as it has to do with 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 the draft so we'll do that and hopefully can rebuke Manny on the other side of this timeout this is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station over watching a mandated webinar at work. Oh, thank you, everyone, for coming to this exciting meeting today to discuss. Take that, productivity in the workplace. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. All right, let's get right to us. The man, he abandoned us last week, so we have to rebuke our good friend, Manny. How are you, sir? Good morning, Kevin. Kevin, you know what last week was, right? <coughs> I mean, uh, you know I me. Mean, uh, you know my job. I don't give up. Try not to give up too much, too much information, but I mean, right. 
everybody, <laughs> everybody knows. Uh, you know, they hear me and they. So you had even more time. No, you disguise your voice. You know, I wasn't at work, Kevin. When I'm not at work, I've explained this to you before. My wife is really, she really is a tough taskmaster. So you know, spring break, I had to do a lot of work so I could depart on Thursday morning to go to the box. So I, I, I caught a few little bits and pieces of the show, but. Man, I was in the middle of a long list to try to wrap up. So Thursday morning, you know, I shot shot to the box. So let's start a little bit of the draft. This is my week, Kevin. I'm about to do a deep dive. But look, this whole – I heard the whole Clemson talk you had the other day last week. Not a negative. No one – that breezy guy has been hurt his whole career. Yeah, I don't want any part of him. He plays with these big straps on his arm and, you know, these collars that I, you know, to keep the arm in place. I, no part of him. Now, the other guy, I just don't. I, I'm like, Gary, I don't, I don't know. I just see, once again, bust on that guy, you know. Uh, I, 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 no part of him. <coughs> okay, so, so, so we agree on the Clemson guys. What about Brian Branch? I like Brian Branch a lot. A lot. I think he could be, I mean, I, I think he could be a really great player. Like you described him. You see, I did listen a little bit of the show. He could be uh, a Chauncey Gardner without all the hoopla. You know, yeah. he's trying to fight and get in trouble and aggravate everybody. Just really, uh, he seems like an excellent football player. And once again, like you say, safeties these days, you don't have a whole lot of big thumpers anymore, you know, that play safety. So the size thing doesn't really worry me. Safety is more of a, a slot, you know, a slot corner. You know, I think he could do basically everything that needs to be done. I, I would love him. Uh, you know, I keep on seeing this ridiculous tight end stuff too, you know. And listen, I think the big tight end is going to be good. I think he's going to be a good player, the big boy from Notre Dame. Or the other boy from what Oregon State, I think. I think they both. Well, there's one players, from Oregon but... State. There's one from Utah. I don't want a tight end. They take too long no. to develop. I need help now, I, and they bust I, too I, easily. Exactly, exactly. So, <laughs> I love Branch. I love trying to get the Gibbs in the second round. I, you know, I, but I still don't know. It could still be a surprise, Kevin. With, with the position of need really gone away, which I still don't think is gone away, running back to me is still a big position of need because I don't know if we're going to see 41 this year. Uh, and, you know, but once again, yeah, I think those guys are going to say, hey, here's uh, a great, really good guard or here's a really good tackle or here's a really good defensive tackle. You know, the guy from Northwestern, uh, okay, Okie Finocchio, whatever, you know, I, once again, I can't say his name, but he's a guy that could be sitting there at 20. Uh, you know, God, it's just a, almost no way not to have a curveball because. Oh, no, there's a way because that, that's why we have to take care of that on this side of the fence. The other okay. thing is, the other thing is, it's very possible that the Saints are thinking, Andrews Peace not going to be with us very long. And they picked Osiris Torrance in the first round. Oh, listen, and I would—I'm not—I wouldn't cry at all. I think he can play right now, Kevin. So 
yeah, once again, I, I agree. So we're throwing out all these names, but once again, without the position of need being the super, super thing, can we 100% avoid curveball? We can say, I can go down and say every name in the in every position, but, you know, I, I just don't want us to take one of these freaks from the combine, some kind of baloney like that, and, man, I just hope that doesn't happen. Okay, but this is what I really call Let's clarify the LSU situation. Saturday, Kevin, the freshman comes in, Aaron. It's six to three, okay? Brown ball to Tommy Tanks, all right? Which was a hard-hit ball for Kevin. Third base, right at him. He All you got to do is smother it. I mean, the guy ripped the ball. He's two steps out of the box when the ball hits his glove. He lets it dribble past him, which which ends the chance, which ends the chance to give out, okay? Next pitch or next batter, a couple pitches, he gets the fly ball in the inning to right field. A boy goes down the right field line, runs into the bullpen, does the stumble back method, and poof, ball drops two feet fair, clears the bases, ties the game. Now, of course, that's a hit. That's a triple, Kevin. That's a triple. So, you know, that's a lot of that skewed. Now, then, of course, you know, you get, I mean, the kid, the freshman, he's a true freshman, the left in Texas, then he gives up another hit. In, the, in my opinion, of course, you know, again, they pay these guys a lot of money. They leave them in there, and he, got, he gets knocked on. They left him in there, and he, he got to like 42 pitches, and he was definitely done. He got to 46, 47. Finally, they got him out at around 50 pitches. i just not thrilled about letting that happen to a freshman. But, so, that, you know, that whole bullpen on, uh, like you were talking about, you know, the four – some of those runs were earned because that guy gets a triple, you know, and then another, you know, so they leave that inning up seven to six after LSU had just hung a three spot. So, you know, that, that caused a big problem. And I think if that, if he catches that fly ball, I believe that momentum, you know, Kevin, you know, as well as I do, momentum is so huge. <coughs> so so you're baseball. saying that really only one of those runs was really earned. I know really, te- uh, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, uh, technically baseball wise, right? Yeah, only one of those runs was really earned. Yeah. I got so, you. No, that makes sense. So then, uh, uh, I'm still not thrilled about the starting pitching tie. So I didn't look that great. My whole thing is, Kevin, I'm so it's so strange to me. Christian Lil comes out Saturday. 29 pitches, Kevin, in the first three innings. I'm telling you, he looks like he looked that year in the World Series when he was 17 years old. He is mowing them down. Comes up for the fourth inning. Leaves the game in the fourth inning with zero outs, and he's at 47 pitches. One hit. Three base on balls. Uh, he just loses it completely. I'm just baffled by that. That that to me that and I see it somewhat prevalent <coughs> in the in the LSU rotation now. So I don't know. Now 
The left hand of Coleman, Kevin, I saw him throw a very serious bullpen on Saturday. He warmed up like big time warm up on the field, on the field bullpen. So he was bringing it, throwing it hard, throwing some breaking balls, and they claim he's pitched live in practice. So he's getting close. And the other lefty, Ackenhausen, with the hamstring, should could be ready this weekend. So that would be a big lift. Uh, we don't know what you're going to get with Coleman. It's going to definitely take some time. But you get him back in there at the end of April. By the end of May, you should have <clears throat> Pretty good service, you know. Hey, Kevin, I'm, do- I'm doing it. All right, time. okay. Let, let, let's I'm practice. Pra- let's practice, Manny. On the way out, Atatamawa Atabare. Say it again. Atatamawa Atabare. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm just saying I think okay, that's I'm close. Atatamawa Atabare. Yeah. Okay. Uh, listen, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna look, I'm gonna work on it. And then, of course, you have to have a. You'll have multiple nicknames, but yes. Anyway, okay. All right, I'm back. All right. I'm back on the job, Kevin. Okay, I'm in. All right. No, I had to rebuke the man. No, what what he's saying about LSU again? It it's kind of what I was saying about the Cajuns' offense. Just because something ends up that way doesn't mean it doesn't require more analysis. So I I, I get I, I I get all of that. Um. The 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 part about the Saints. Quite a few of us keep saying, well, what about Osiris Torrance? I don't really see another offensive lineman. Uh, Some people have Darnell Wright, offensive tackle from Tennessee, around, you know, that range where the Saints pick, maybe a little bit above. So I guess he would be an option, although I can't see the Saints picking. I'd be surprised if they picked another offensive tackle. So... Um, the Osiris guard thing, I think is, is probably realistic, not knowing from a position standpoint, not knowing exactly like how the, the, the saints have him rated specifically or graded specifically, but man, I just, We, we, I just, we, we gotta figure, we gotta figure it. I don't want to be blindsided. I keep hearing Will McDonald, I just, defensive end from Iowa State. Some people have him. Um, I am not. I don't know something about. I just think he's more of kind of the dime a dozen type defensive end that I just don't think is going to make a huge impact, especially right away. I would. I'm not going to – if they pick him, then we'll see. I'm just not real excited by him. I don't see the plus skill with him. And so I, I don't really want him, although I've seen people picking the Eagles are going to take him. I've seen people say the uh, the Chiefs are going to take him. I've seen um, him go a little bit before where the Saints are picking as well. So I guess it's not impossible, but, I, but I'm, I'm glad to hear – uh, Manny and I agree on the Cle- – I just – I don't want the Clemson guys. I just – they scare me. I, I just don't like – I don't I don't want any part of them. And, and I have a feeling that Brazil is going to be in the second round. And, you know, I guess it's possible the Saints could pick him in the second round. But I don't know that I – I don't – I don't know. That guy just scares me. All right, we'll take a timeout. Come back. Be back.
This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Footnotes, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. The game hotline, 337-706-0111, As we um, kind of unfold or unpack our bags, like we like to say sometime, coming out of a busy weekend. One of the other things I want to get back to that, Coach Deck said when we were interviewing him about the Cajun baseball weekend over the weekend that I've been wondering at some point do, do they just need to start Cooper Rawls and Cooper Rawls is now got eight wins on the season he is tied with Rogers from McNeese for the most wins in the country that's kind of ironic that that's the case you have two guys uh, from South Louisiana and two of the teams that we talk about the three two of the three teams that we talk about the most on, on this station both have eight wins and you know some people say well that's a lot of vulture wins yeah it, it, he, he hasn't gotten them as a starting pitcher because he hasn't been a starting pitcher but some of those quote unquote vulture wins, is like 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 people talk. Some of the vulture wins is you come on and you pitch an inning, but usually he's pitching a lot more than just one inning or even two innings. Like he's pitching three to four to five innings on a fairly regular basis. So I think he they're a little bit more of a vulture win for him than it is for a lot of guys. It's more impressive to me though, like because he doesn't have it. When you're a starting pitcher, you have a chance to win every game you pitch, but he's coming in sometimes in games that they're trailing in. And, it, I mean, that's happened at times. He's given you five innings out of the bullpen. You come in trailing, he leaves when they're leading because he's just been that good. I mean, opposing hitters hitting 154 against him, and I mean, like, it's just surprising to me because Cooper doesn't have, like, shutdown stuff. He doesn't have, like, lights out, Friday night ace type stuff, but he's pitched like a Friday night ace when he's pitched this year. He attacks hitters. He typically, Now, he didn't walk a batter yesterday uh, with a powerful guy on deck, but – for the most part, he doesn't walk batters. He gets a lot of just lazy outs, like lazy fly ball outs. Um, you know, it's uncanny. Like, to, again, he reminds me for Astro fans who might not be Cajun fans. He's now a break. Colin McHugh was a guy, you know, you watch him pitch. I remember when they first brought him up, he was nothing. He had done nothing in the major leagues. The Astros brought him up, and you're like, well, this guy's not going to make it. And then he just kind of kept getting people out. And nothing that he did was overly impressive, but he just consistently got people out. Yeah, and, and I may have mentioned this once before, but my high school baseball coach is a guy who played in the minor leagues and, and you know had like a pretty decorated baseball career. And those types of guys he calls a comfortable 0 for 4. Like you get in the box and you feel pretty good about it. You feel like you got a good matchup. And you, maybe you pop out and you go, well, I was right on it. And the next at bat, you get up there and you feel good, and you roll over a ball to shortstop, and now you're 0 for two. But you're like, man, I'm I'm seeing it well. I'm right here, and that happens a couple more times. And you sit there and you go 0 for four, but you're like, man, but I saw the ball well. I, and it's like that's just what he does. Like he just has 
he's got cut to his fastball, and like I just feel like guys go up there pretty confident against him, but then you don't get the results you're looking for. So I've been wondering, you know, watching him come in after, you know, Jake Hammond or whatever starting pitcher doesn't go more than about two and a third or three and a third or something like that, a, sh- a fairly short start. And he comes in and pitches four or five innings. I'm like, at some point, you might just need to start him. Like, now, what's going to happen if he gets hit as a starter? I mean, who knows? I look, let's face it. They're about to play on paper, tougher teams, not all of them, but, you know, they're about to play Coastal. Coastal's good. They're about to play Southern Miss. Southern Miss is good. So you could argue they don't play Old Dominion. But you could argue the two toughest teams by the end of the year in the conference, the Cages haven't played yet. So, again, everything is not always as it seems at that time. But I I don't know. I I just – I don't know who else you would have more – anybody should have more trust in than him right now to be the third starter if they need one because – you know, Tommy Ray had some chances. He's not really gotten it done. Um, you know, a couple other people have made – Moody hasn't – has gotten some chances with starts and hadn't gotten it done. I mean, no one's really come close to him. I mean, you could say, well, the eight wins is deceiving, but that's irrelevant. I mean, whether he has four wins or eight wins, he's pitched more effectively than anyone other than Blake McGee, and he's a small sample size. Yeah, he, he leads the team in the ERA of those qualified. Again, McGee, he's only thrown 19 innings, 19 and a third innings. But, and the other thing that's interesting about this and the conversation that we have with Coach Deggs, it sounds like Jake Hammond's moving on from the rotation, at least for the time being. And, and I don't know, maybe it's a combination of injury and performance, or maybe it's just the injury. But he sounds like he's going to be available to pitch, but not in an extended starter's role. Um, so that was interesting because I don't think we had maybe seen – I thought he was going to pitch this weekend. I didn't really think just based on the you know somewhat rough outing he had against Troy. But um, And maybe, look, Hammond was a guy who was really good in the back end, so maybe you put him back in that role and he's more comfortable. If Cooper doesn't – if he pitches – if he gets a start this weekend, which I guess it's trending in that direction, we'll see yeah. for sure, and he doesn't pitch well, it's okay. You can move him back to that role that he's been in. So I think that's that's the flexibility you have now. You still have to find somebody who's going to start the game. And is Toit going to be an option? I, I feel like they kind of like him more out of the bullpen as well, so I wouldn't really expect that. But I don't know. You're going to have – the good thing is if, if you're getting healthier and you're getting Toit back and now McGee's back, you have some more options than you had a few weeks ago. But, yeah, you still have to find the guy that's going to start the game on the mound, whether that's giving you three or four innings or whether it's trying to get you deep into the game. They've got to be able to figure out who it's going to be. And as for tomorrow's game, I mean, it really doesn't – I mean – Typically, you piece together that game. I mean, at times over the years, they've, you know, used the starter for five or six innings, you know, against LSU going way back. But for the most part, you want to just, you know, throw four or five pitchers anyway, probably in that game. So it doesn't even matter what happens in that game. They, they've they just got to get to where um, they're comfortable and they have enough pitchers for the weekend um, you know, because softball team was a little kind of in a very similar situation. They went up to James Madison, got a sweep. Who knows what the baseball team is going to do? But no, I. And to your point, Cooper Rawls is been around. He's a senior. 
he can handle it. I mean, I think he'll handle whatever scenario plays out here. Like, it's not going to mess with him if he happens to have a bad outing and they move, and they switch his role. I don't think he, it's going to matter. Some guys you'll worry about how they would handle that, but I, with him, I don't think you'll worry about that at all. So, no, I, I kind of been hinting at, like, I'm just thinking that's probably what they're just going to have. Might as well just start him and see what happens. And um, you need, you know, it just messes with their whole weekend plan too much. When on on game one of the series, you're into your bullpen in the third or fourth inning, you just can't consistently do that in a three game series. They got to get now. That is, I don't think he's going to start game one, but they've got to um, they've got to figure out a way to get off to a better start and not constantly be playing catch up because that's just an awful place to be. All right, we'll take a timeout. Come back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Go subscribe to the game's YouTube channel at The Game Louisiana. That way you can check out the latest original videos and more shenanigans from the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. The game hotline 706-0111. All right. I want to get back to the national news of the day because Dawson had a line um, that we didn't focus on because we were discussing other parts of it at the time that I want to get back to. Jalen Hurts, if you have not heard, Eagles quarterback signs a five-year, $255 million contract with $179 million in change guaranteed. So, is this the new bar that is going to totally change the whole dynamic of the Lamar Jackson negotiations with the Ravens? This is a lot more apples and apples, apples to apples, than the Deshaun Watson thing that keeps, you know, is messing up so many teams, especially the Ravens, Lamar Jackson. I mean, you could see a lot of similarities between Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts uh, in terms of, you know, these are the two teams that really know how to run the football from a scheme standpoint and their quarterback actually helped you know, obviously helps them run the football but they in terms of the way they run and how and their mentality of running the football now the Eagles are more big play in the passing game now they weren't two or three years ago when that long ago they didn't have any receivers and they struggled to make plays um they were more the Ravens were more like the Eagles from a few years ago but this is Seems like it gives them a great template of this is what a quarterback of your skill set should get about should I mean it you know I mean in the term we heard like 140 something million they've offered him guaranteed and he didn't take I mean I don't know if it's true but we've heard those figures thrown out so yeah. now if they offer him 180 million is he going to take it I wonder Yeah no the similarities I mean 
guy taken at the back end of the first, early second round, a lot of doubts from people who think they're just too much of a runner and they can't throw in the league. They come in, they play well early on. Jalen Hurts in the conversation for an MVP. Lamar Jackson won an MVP. Um, now, Jalen Hurts had a little bit more playoff success, but not like by a wide margin. He had one run to the Super Bowl. Lamar had a playoff run that you know didn't quite get that far, but it's funny how similar these two are. And so now, yeah, I, I, the Ravens might not be too happy to wake up to hear that. But the thing with the Ravens is I still can't figure out if they want him or not. Like, I, it feels like if, if, if you really want the quarterback, if, if Lamar Jackson's the guy, at some point, the numbers don't matter down to the way that they're making them matter, right? Like, well, if we were offering them this guaranteed number and this guaranteed number, it's like it's like when you're buying a car. And if, if the number that the car dealers wants and the number you want, if they're close enough and you really want the car, you're just going to go up and pay what the number is, right? And and the, the Ravens just don't but seem to But they've just do that. never been a, I'm just going to pay this big contract team. They've never yeah, been that Yeah, I team. guess so. And so if if they let him walk, that becomes a thing. The other weird thing about it is, and that's what's caused this whole conversation, like our other owners, you know, making an effort to not give him that money because of a bigger thing. Well, now again, with the Eagles making this deal, it's not fully guaranteed. It's not quite what the fully guaranteed deal would be, but it's 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 close. Like it's getting on that path. So now, you, you know, maybe the rest of the, the any other teams that are interested might come in and say, well, we'll do it. Like, whatever. We're not the ones letting the cat out the bag. Like, Philly gave him so much guaranteed money. I just, I don't, the Lamar Jackson story continues, even over and above the Aaron Rodgers story. Just a, just a fascinating offseason storyline. It is. And, but I, I think this could help it. Like, this is something that it's as apples to apples as it gets with different teams and different players, to your point. And so... I don't know how this is not going to speed up that process because what are they going to do? If they don't, like, seriously. I mean, I guess they could drive Hendon Hooker. I guess they could just go with what they've with got. Huntley, yeah, roll Huntley out there again. I Yeah, but, I mean, that doesn't seem like that's what a team that feels. I mean, the other thing about this is, I guess, where do the, where do the Ravens see the rest of the roster? I think that's up in the air. Um, you know, the other big, the big, and I know they're not the same situation. The biggest difference between Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson right now is the talent around him at the receiver position, uh, cause Jalen Hurts has a lot of it and Lamar Jackson has virtually none. So that's the other big question. But again, that, that shouldn't really be the driving force of whether or not you sign him. That should just be a matter of, and maybe that's part of, but again, maybe that's part of the reason Lamar is sticking to his number. He's saying, I already know I'm not going to have that much help when I get here. So well, it depends on what you think Beckham can do. Like I, right. I, I think some people are. I think that's been a little overblown. It, yeah, is it possible that Beckham can be an elite receiver? When was the last time Beckham was an elite receiver? Like some people are right. talking about. He, he about. played four really good games in the last run with the Rams towards the end, and that's really the last. And that, I mean, other than that, right? Like, and that's also when he had the best receiver in the world opposite him to take away attention in Cooper Cup. So. And, you know, a strong arm quarterback. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I just look. You know me. I don't want Lamar to go into the Falcons, and I don't think he's going to the Arnolds because I think the Arnolds are going to pick a rookie. But um, I mean, theoretically, he could still go to the Yucks as well. I want. I don't want him in my division. So my number one priority is to keep him in the AFC, and and Baltimore seems just fine with me. I. So I, I hope they work it out. And it seems like that could solve it. Now, again, we're only 10 days away from the NFL draft. You would think if I'm the Ravens, 
because we've been talking about this with the Jets and Aaron Rodgers situation. Like you would you would think, unless they just don't like Hendon Hooker, and it's possible they don't like Hendon Hooker. Who knows? I mean, uh, all kind of teams have different opinions on players and grade them differently. But if but it seemed like you they need to know before the draft to do this or not, unless they're just willing to just stick with Huntley uh, for all of next year. Um, and they seem to they. The thing I think that makes this whole thing, there's so many ways that reason why it's fascinating. I just think that Lamar Jackson as an individual who happens to be his own agent and the Ravens as a front office are both very principled. Like, I think they're both very strong-willed. We do things this way. I think this way. They're both very principled. And you say, well, I don't think all teams are like that. No. And I don't think all quarterbacks are like Lamar Jackson in terms of his resolve. And I think both of them have very strong resolves in that they they have a way of doing things. They have a way of thinking. And it, they don't really stray from it very often. You know, the Baltimore Ravens are – kind of more like to draw a comparison not saying they've had the ultimate success that the Astros have had but they're kind of like the Astros in that they have their model and they don't it's not they don't ever pay anyone anything but they don't pay that they don't pay that crazy Padre money or that crazy Philly money or that crazy Mets money it's not the way the Ravens have ever done anything they're like, they have their model and they stick to it, and Lamar Jackson has his principles and he sticks to it. And I think that's why it's been such a it's just a it's been a fascinating story. And then there's the overall NFL, what's the future of our sport in terms of how we deal with quarterbacks thing. But today could be the move that we've all been waiting for with this with this Jalen Hurts contract. It really could be. It could be one of the more groundbreaking uh, scenarios um, for the NFL, and we'll see how, how that plays out in terms of Lamar Jackson. All right, appreciate all the phone calls. Y'all have a nice day.